Stick with this flame, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand. Stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam. Put some respect on my name. Sick like a rain, click and I bang. Y'all gon' remember the name. Y'all gon' remember the name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I'd like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. On today's episode, we have got on another amazing guest. He is the host of the Millionaire's Mindset podcast, and this is the one and only Xavier Miller. Welcome to the show. What's up? What's up, y'all? Thank you for having me on, Zuby. I really appreciate that, man. You know, we, we haven't uh, talked in a while. You know, I had you on the show. That was like a couple of years ago. Time has flown, so I'm excited to be on your show, man. And it's, it's good to see and talk to you as usual. No doubt, bro. Yeah, well, we've both made a lot of progress in those last couple of years. Absolutely. So- for people who are not familiar with you and what you're all about, give them a little bit of an introduction. Yes, sir. So like like you said, my name is Xavier Miller. I'm from Chicago, Illinois, born and raised. And around the age of uh, 19, I joined the U.S. Air Force. So I was, I'm an uh, Air Force vet. I served six years. Then after I got the Air Force, uh, I started my own business. I got into real estate, um, investing, and then I started my podcast, the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. And the plan was for real estate to be my main focus and priority. But the podcast, it picked up at a quick pace and it just took over my life. So that's what I do full time now. I still do a lot of investing and stuff like that, but I'm a full time podcast and media uh, company owner. Awesome, man. Well, there's a lot to get into, man. Let's let's talk about the Absolutely. let's talk about the back the backstory because you you jumped in right there, like boom, I I, jo- I joined the Air Force. So tell me more about where where you grow up, where you grew up, and what life was like as a kid. So I grew up on the west side of Chicago and people who may not be from Chicago, you know, most people when they think of Chicago or here in Chicago, they think of the south side because that's where like our most famous rappers are and stuff like that. So people always think of the south side. So when I tell people I'm from the west side, they'd be like, they don't really have too much familiarity with it. So they always ask a lot of questions about it. And the west side, to so just to put it in uh, like perspective, it's very similar to the south side. The only the main difference is it's a lot smaller. So I grew but I grew up in a two parent household. I was blessed enough to be raised by my mother and father, who was amazing, amazing, great, great parents. But I can't thank them enough. And what's funny is as a youth, I didn't always necessarily see it the way because I thought they was really hard on me. Most of my friends had single moms and they did whatever they wanted. So I always kind of like resented that, like, man, my parents, they always like on my ass about stuff. So I, but it wasn't until I became an adult when I seen the value and the importance of having both my parents at home. And that guided me in a lot of ways. And I had an older brother. Like I was like, I lived like the, um, any other kid playing sports, playing basketball, didn't get into too much trouble here. It, not major trouble. But around the age of 17, my brother, he was already in the Navy. And he invited me to come live out in Florida with him because I was kind of not sure what I wanted to do with my life. I'm like, I'm fresh out of high school. I don't know what I want to do. So my brother, he said, come to live in Florida with me. You can see like the military lifestyle. So I lived in Florida for about close to a year. And at that point, I'm seeing like, oh, military lifestyle. I had the idea. It was like you going to war and fighting. And I had like a crazy perspective on it. But I seen his pretty. it was pretty much like a regular everyday lifestyle. I said, this is something I think I can do. But he advised me. He said, if you do it, go to the Air Force. Because like, the Air Force is, is for smart people. It'll be better. I think it'll fit you. So I said, okay. I, I went back home to Chicago, and I joined the Air Force. And that's how I got into the Air Force. And then, like, uh, so I'm going to tell you a, a unique part about my story. This is what really, really changed my life. And I don't really talk about it as much these days. So my first three years in the Air Force, I was kind of just like, like, like playing around, bullshitting, you know what I'm saying? Just having my fun, spending all my money. I already not making a lot of money, but I was just wasting time. But my third year, I got tasked with a deployment to Qatar. This is how I got to Qatar. So when I got tasked with the deployment, my supervisor, he came in my office and he's like, hey, Miller, you just got tasked with a deployment. And at this time, I'm like, this is something I never wanted to do. I never wanted to deploy. So I'm like, fuck, man, I don't want to do this. But before I deployed, my supervisor, he advised me, he said, before you go, I want you to go make a wheel. And I'm like, make a wheel. I mean, I'm 23 years old. What the hell am I making a wheel for? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what am I making? I'm 23. This is how ignorant I was at the time. And he's looking at me. He's he giving me this look. And he's like, do you not understand, like, what you in? Like, you're in the military. Like, you could go somewhere. Boom, you gone. So I'm like, damn, you're right. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go make the wheel. So I go make this wheel, bro. And I promise you, I was in a room with about 30 people. I was the youngest person in the room. They gave us the paper to start writing everything down. Bro, I promise you, no exaggeration, I finished in less than 60 seconds. And if you know anything about a wheel, 
if you finish it in 60 seconds, what that that tells you like <laughs> that, that's your life on paper. That tells you like you have nothing, you're really not doing anything. And, and bro, that was the most embarrassing, shameful moment of my life. But it was the wake up call that I needed because it immediately hit me. It was like, oh shit. Like if I died, I pretty it's like I, I I've been living for no reason. I have nothing to leave. I have like no legacy to leave. So I said, no, I, and, and the reason why it hit me so much is because my grandfather. He was a man that had money. And uh, when I was about around 11 years old, someone broke in his home, robbed him, and beat him. And he went to the hospital and he passed away. But he didn't have a will. And my mother, she wasn't his biological daughter. So all his things with the probate. So when, as a child, I remember just hearing, a, I'm like, dang, man, that's so crazy. So now fast forward as an adult, I'm in this position. I'm like, oh, it just brought me back these memories. Like, damn, I remember hearing this about my granddad. So I said, no, I need to get my life together. So I went on my deployment. I was in Qatar for seven months and I saved all my money, man. Most people go on deployments, they spend their money because you can still do practically kind of whatever you want. So people just go and still spend. But I went and I saved around 25,000, which was everything to me. That was everything. Cause I had nothing. When I wrote my wheel, bro, I had $300. I wrote down my Xbox. I had like 10 pair of Jordans and that's it. When I wrote the wheel down. So seven months later to have 25 grand, that was just like, monumental and then when i came back home that's when i started investing in uh real estate stocks crypto and then when tw within 12 months that twenty five thousand was a hundred thousand dollars by the time i was like 26 years old and then shortly after that i got into real estate then i started the podcast and then everything that's so that's that's my origin story that's awesome man dude there's a lot to get into there <laughs> one one thought that popped up though with the thing with the will is i'm thinking Surely most 23-year-olds' wills would take like 60 seconds. I'm, I, 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 surely you weren't an anomaly in that regard, were you? I mean, most I people at 23 don't have much. Um, you, you're right about that, but I know at the time, I was just, it made me it, it made me face my own mortality. It made me think like, damn, I could die. And I, I was one of those people growing up, I always wanted to leave something. Like if I was, something was to happen to me, I want my girl to be good. I want my, my family to be good to some degree. I'd say that, I, that I'll leave them with wealth at that young of an age. But it was something that just made me think like, damn, something can happen at any moment and I can be gone. So it's like beyond the money, it was just really like a legacy thing for me personally. Like, dang, it would be like if I died today, it would be as if I was never here. So it was like yeah. I need to, I need to um, self-improve. That was the start of truly my self-improvement journey. No doubt, man. Well, that's powerful. There's something you talked about in your story that's that's interesting to me because it's it's a point that's often brought into conversations politically, socially, culturally, mm -hmm. and so on, where you talked about the importance of having both of your parents in your life and growing up in that household. Yep. You said that you felt like they were a little bit harsh on you sometimes and you didn't really understand it until you got older, right? Maybe when you were a kid, you were envying some of your friends in some other ways, because as you put it, they could just go out there and do, do whatever. whatever they want without discipline. And then in hindsight, I'm sure you're looking back like, actually, no, that's not, that's <laughs> not it, right? That's not the way to do it. So not the way I'm kind of curious. Yeah. So I'm curious growing up on the West side of Chicago in that type of environment where you had that family situation, but you also saw a lot of people who didn't, how do you think that shaped and formed who you are now compared to perhaps the path that some of those people who you knew from then have gone down? Bro, it shaped, it shaped me completely. Like I often tell people, I'm like, if, if my parents went together, if I didn't have my father in my life full time, I'm like 90% certain that me or my brothers or all of us, we would probably be in a completely different situation today. We'd probably be doing criminal activity, probably be in jail, probably be dead. Who knows? Just because of the influence in Chicago, the influences surrounding you, they're so strong when it comes, especially when it comes to street culture, the influences are so strong. And if you don't have somebody that's on you, that's like disciplining you and telling you like, no, nah, you're not going this way, you're going this way. And they're constantly on you. It's so easy to get off track and fall and fall into the trap of the culture and the environment that's around you. So it's like, man, I, I, I can't preach it enough. I think it's the most I think is it is the most important thing for a child is to have their, both parents around them. I know some people they feel like, you know, this is a controversial topic to some people, and I don't understand why. But to me, it's common sense because I've seen it in my life and the people around me. A lot of people that I grew mm -hmm. up with, everybody for the most part that I grew up with in my immediate environment in my neighborhood, it was like single parent homes. It was a few families that was together, but a lot of it was single family homes. 
And this is no knock to them or no disrespect to any of them, but I see the difference and where we went and like what a lot of people I grew up with are doing now. And it's like, damn, it's because they didn't have that structure and that same foundation that I was blessed with. So I know firsthand, bro, like how how important that is. And that's, and that's not to say because some people will hear this and they'll say, well, every two parent household isn't perfect. And that's not what I'm saying. That's 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 please. That is not what I'm saying. Two parent households. It's, it's some crazy situations that happen, too. But I think if the if the both parents are on the same page and they have morals, integrity, and great character, that only makes that that's only going to flow into the child. And that's that seed you're going to see, especially when that child becomes adult. So I think mm -hmm. that's everything, bro. That's the most important thing to yeah. me. That's why I was so hell bent on not having kids out of wedlock. Mm, hundred percent, man. I, I'm totally on board with that. In regards to why it's quote unquote controversial, I, I think it's mostly two things. I think the first is that because people know it's true. <laughs> honestly i i think because pe people know everybody knows everybody knows that all other things being equal it's better to have a mother and a father rather than just one or just the other right it's you you can pull up infinite data on this yeah. you can just go by your own experience, experience of people you've met and you know like so i think part of the reason why it's controversial is because because pe people know that it's true and then I think the number two is that it makes people feel convicted because there are a lot of people, whether they are single parents themselves or they grew up in that environment or whatever. So it automatically makes them feel defensive. Right. I've noticed that people often personalize, generalized statements. Right. So if you make yep. a general statement, people will often interpret it as if you are directly attacking them or you're insinuating something you're not or you're right. you know the fact that you even brought up that caveat of like oh i'm not saying like every so it's like yeah obviously right like obviously. you're, you're, you're yeah right like you're you're obviously not saying that it's a bit like <laughs> do you know what it's like to me it's it's like if someone said that um uh men are taller and stronger than women somebody be like well someone's like oh well i know i know a girl who's six foot three and some men are only this it's like it's you know what I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying all the four billion men in the world are taller than all the four billion women. We're we're making a general population. A general level. Yeah, yeah. No, that's bro. You're right, and I tell people all the time when it comes to conversations like this, because you know, in these days, people say data, data, data. The 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 uh, statistics say, and just being honest, bro, we know all this stuff can be manipulated to support either side of the argument. So what I tell people, I'm like, bro, just look at your real world and your real experiences around you. Like, what does that say? But we're in a time for some reason where people lean more into the data than their own personal experiences. And this blows mm -hmm. my mind. Like you, can't, yeah. like, you can't tell me that someone can't make the argument to me personally that growing up with one parent is better than two when I could see exactly what happened around me and so many people that I know. So I don't care what the data would say if there is data to support that, because I personally know I can see it. Yeah. Well, this one's even crazier because the data is completely one-sided as well. Exactly. Right? You're, you're not, you're not going to find any data. You're not going to find any exactly. study that shows that children do better off having only one parent than two. That doesn't even make sense. It, it, takes, two people to, it takes two people to make a child for a reason and also two is just more than one so obviously having it, it's like arguing that one person is going to be able to get more work done than a team of two three or four people it's like well no more is more is more you can share you can share time you can share resources whatever it's not just all on one person it, it's yeah it's one of those strange things and it's frustrating though because it's such a core issue that does need to be that needs to be addressed Right. When you're looking at certain demographics or you're looking at whole populations across certain countries and you're just seeing that rise and rise and rise of people not having fathers. And then you're looking at the effect that that's having on people's behavior and people's education and people's earning potential and so on and so forth. And it's it's so, so, so clear. So if people don't want to talk about the issue, then I'm like, well, how can you fix an issue if you don't if you don't even want to talk about it, right? If it's like, okay, we're not even allowed to talk about this thing, then it's going to just keep, keep trending in a bad direction. And the truth is as well with, with, with young people is there's of course exceptions to this, right? And of course people can, can break bad cycles, right? We have individual choice, but most people replicate what they perceive to be the norm, mm. right? So the fact that you 
were like, hey, I want to get married before I bring a child into this world and I want to stay together with a woman and ra raise this. That's that's heavily influenced by the fact that your parents did that and you grew yep. up in that and you saw that it worked and so on. But there are many people out there. There's millions of people out there where what they're seeing in their own family and in the community and in other people's, it's just, okay, having a whole bunch of baby mamas, baby fathers, whatever it is, that's like just normal to them. So yeah, they can break that cycle, but it's harder to do if you haven't seen it modeled for you, at least within your own community. Mm, that's, yo, that's so powerful. And that's also why, like, I was, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, bro. I was even talking to my brother about it. Because there is a, a, a surgence of like, when we talk about financial uh, independence, building financial wealth within the black community. And it's dope. It's amazing to see. Like, I really love it. But I was thinking, I'm like, man, how important, like, what's the point of building financial wealth, teaching all this financial wealth, if we're not talking about family and making family the base? Like, mm -hmm. what it, what, like, people get all the money in the world, but people not creating more dope, amazing families. Why the hell would it really matter? You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's kind of like, so that's why I, I kind of push now more than ever, just talking about like building a family and, and being being active in your kid's life because that's what's really going to be the change that people want to see. I'm like, obviously wealth and money is a huge part. So don't get me wrong, it's a huge portion of this. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it really boils down to family because they what they say, great great families is what make great communities. Mm -hmm. So and it's what like- and the thing is, as well, when it comes to wealth is, you know, once you're once you're personally comfortable, then any additional resources, that's what it's supposed to go towards, really. Right. Like if you're a man, you know, there's that initial stage of just like, OK, I need I need to make enough for me. Right. I need right. to get my own survival. But once you've done it, anything, anything beyond that, it's like, OK, well, the purpose of that traditionally and i think even the way we're biologically wired is to create the surplus and the excess so that we can resource share with our family and resource share with our community it's like i mean how much money does a single man really, really need? Need. It's, it's, it's it's not that much it's, re it's really not that much actually it's really not that much so that push to go beyond that is because okay cool all right i've got a i've got a child i've got you know a wife to look after i've got this i might you know you're gonna have this whole dynasty over time and then there's also the aspect of like keeping money because making money is one thing keeping it and growing it is a very different thing we we've all seen situations of people making a very very high income very high income athletes uh, musicians actors whatever lottery winners right yep. huge income lose and it. then lose it lose it don't know how to manage it quickly too Quickly, so you're right. The manager, the managing part is just is is equally as important as, or if not more important, than actually making it. Because making it is it's the easier part too. It's very easy to make money, but it's managing it and being able to keep it and grow it. That takes strategy. Yeah, it takes Most information, education, all those things you have to be put in place for that to happen. So, you are 100 right, bro. Yeah, no doubt, man. So where did you get your, obviously you, you talk a lot about wealth and finances and you got into real estate. How did you, what were your early steps to learning about okay. all of this? So that takes me back to my uh, military experience. So that was, it was a deployment, bro. When I was on a deployment uh, in Qatar, I worked, uh, I worked six days a week, 12 hours a day sometimes 14 hours a day. So I pretty much worked all day, six days a week. And on my day off, you pretty much don't want to do anything because you got to get ready for work the next day. So on those days, I would do nothing but educate myself. Like I said, th that was the start to my self-development journey. So I wanted to change my life. So I did a bunch of education, just reading, 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 studying all day long, man. That's all I did for seven months straight. Read about real estate, read about stocks. That's when I even found about crypto. So that was the start to me investing in real estate and all those things. It took me about, it took me about seven months until I made my first investment. Then I got in real estate like on like a little over a year later. So it took me about I was I was reading and studying real estate for about 20 months before I bought my first property. So mm. that was the that was the time period of me educating myself. That's awesome, man. Are there any particular resources or particular books you read that you found useful? So my favorite websites, for, particularly at this time, was Investopedia. You ever heard of that? Yeah, I know Investopedia. Investopedia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Investop Bro, I was on. I probably spent more hours on Investopedia than any person in America 
in 2017, bro. I was on there probably like I was on there all day, bro. Like just browsing, reading stuff. I would click, I probably read every article because I was hell bent on learning about financial. I was hell bent on learning about becoming financially literate. And the information it was blowing my mind. It was like, oh my mm. god, I didn't know this. Then I read books like uh, Rich Dad or Poor Dad, and that book gets a lot of flack these days. But that was that book taught me a lot. It taught mm -hmm. me about cash flow. You know what I'm saying? Assets over liabilities. All those common because the thing about finances. It's common. It's basic information. It's just that if you haven't heard it, nobody's ever taught you it. It's yeah. mind blowing to you because you're just thinking like, okay, I get money. As long as I got money to pay for my bills, I'm good to do whatever else I want. If I want to go buy some shoes, I do that. If I want to go on vacation, I do that. You're really not thinking about uh, saving and, and investing, particularly. So when I learned all these things, that that like literally blew my mind. That was the reason I started the podcast because when I came back and I started experiment and growing my money i had so many people from chicago reaching out to me asking me asking me for help and guidance and i'm like man i'm not no expert but all these people just calling me like bro how you do this how you do that so my my girl she was like we should just start a podcast and we can make this just a central location for everybody that's back home so they could be a fly on the wall to these conversations that we've been having so the podcast the start of it it was literally to help people back home in Chicago. I didn't know anything about podcasting. That's all I wanted to do. I didn't think about profit. I didn't think about having a brand. I didn't think about being global, national, any of that. I just wanted to help people back home in Chicago where they could just listen mm. to me when I don't have to sit on the phone with all these people all day. Yeah, well, I think that's the best way to start, man. I think the best way to start is just genuinely wanting to help people. I think, mm -hmm. I think when people start a podcast explicitly as a business venture, or, you know, even a YouTube oh, wow. channel, right? Like, yeah, I don't think that you, you want it, to, it's, it's weird. Some, like some people say that follow your passion is good advice. Some people say it's bad advice. I, I actually lean more towards it being good advice provided really? that, yeah, I lean towards it being good advice provided that you are actually good at it <laughs> and that there's some type of, there's some type of market demand for it, right? In, in terms of a career, right? So if you're passionate about basketball, but you're not actually that good at basketball, then it don't yeah, make like, sense for you to keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you can do it, do it as a hobby, but it wouldn't right, make right. sense to, you know, do do it as a career. But if it's like actually you're very, very good at that and there's a demand for it, then I actually lean more on the side of like, actually, yeah, go for go for the thing you're passionate with. And then once it gets towards a certain level, this also doesn't mean like you drop this, this doesn't mean if you already have a job that's doing well, that you like quit that cold turkey and you jump into something completely completely brand new that's bringing in zero dollars right off the bat <laughs> exactly. but um yeah i i think there's i think there's a strong case to be made for following your passion to some extent um and as you've said right you you can you start out that way and then as things grow you're like oh actually this is something that can be this is something that can be monetized and this is something that there's a bigger demand for than i realized and if you enjoy it then man that's when you're just winning when you really are making a living doing what you what you truly enjoy and it's genuinely helping people. I think that's, that's the best, man. That's, that's a big reason as to why I'm like permanently happy. Cause I'm just like, man, mm. what, what have I got to complain about? Like I I've managed to turn pretty much all my hobbies into aspects of my career. And that's a good yeah, it's great, man. Um, I had, a, I, I have, a, have you had a Robert Kiyosaki on your podcast actually? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. I actually, I met him. Um, I met him in February. Really? Yeah, there was an event was I spoke at. There, yeah, yeah, it was it was cool. We we didn't chat that long. Okay. Um. Yeah, like I I recognized him. I was speaking at an event, and someone intru someone introduced us. But I was just wondering if you'd had a chance to have him mm -mm. on the on the show yet. I never met him. Not, none of that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, you should try try to get him in the future. Yeah, I'm gonna try now. I, I never even thought about it until you just mentioned it. So I'm gonna definitely look into it now. Yeah, try to get him on, man. I I, I think finance is interesting because. It's crazy that it's not something that is generally taught. Like, if That's you want to learn finance, part. you really have to do it yourself. You do. Or you have to come into an a, a environment that's kind of a privileged environment where people are pushing and they, or they're getting you some kind of training or teaching. I know for my daughter, that's what I'm going to do for her. I'm going to get her actually, but she's coming in a different environment than most people. Most people, like you said, you have to do that part yourself. You have to go searching. Mm for this financial information instead of it just being right on the table for you every single day. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I mean, maybe I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, but I don't think it's by accident. It's not. That, 
<laughs> I don't think it's by accident that in schools, and, and by the way, when I say schools, I'm talking about the UK, I'm talking about the every country that I'm aware of, they don't teach money and finances. And they teach very little about like nutrition and health yep. and fitness, which, which is crazy because no matter who you are, no matter what career you go into, you're always going to have to deal with money and you're always going to have to deal with your own health. And these are the two things. Like, If you think of all the crazy stuff you learn. Our podcast today is sponsored by The Wellness Company. Did you know that nearly 90% of pharmaceuticals in the U.S. are produced overseas? That's an alarming statistic. If you don't have an emergency kit on hand, it's time to get prepared. The Wellness Company's medical emergency kit contains eight potentially life-saving medications that every single American should keep in stock. It comes with a 22-page instruction guide on safe medical use for everything from snake bites to COVID to bioterror events. Another stellar product from the wellness company is Spike Support. Whether you got vaxxed or not, the virus is still among us in some capacity, as well as the related spike protein. Spike protein can cause brain fog, tissue damage, blood clots, and more. Spike Support is a detoxification powerhouse that aims to strengthen the body's natural immunity and flush out spike protein, so you can get back to that pre-COVID feeling. Get both of these products by going to twc.health forward slash Zuby and get 15% off with the discount code Zuby. That's twc.health forward slash Zuby and use discount code Zuby to get 15% off. Disclosure, the medical emergency kit is only available to U.S. residents. In school, right? You learn, you know, learning about different dinosaurs, learning about these strange abstract scientific concepts, just stuff that I, to this day, like, I, I don't know why I need to know the exact name of every element of a plant cell, right? <laughs> like, I don't know when I've ever used that, you know, the, the vacuole and the, you know, the, <laughs> and I'm, I'm just like, and then there's so much stuff that you don't learn. You don't learn about taxes. Nope. You don't learn about how mortgages work. You don't learn, you know, what's, what's APR. How do credit cards actually how do credit work? Cards. How, how does, and, and it's crazy because people and then get thrown into the world and so many people find themselves just in gigantic debt and gigantic financial problems and also massive health problems. Like I'm amazed. Yeah. I'll meet grown adults. They don't know like, you know, what's, what's a calorie, you know, what's the difference between carbohydrates and protein and fat. I'm like, how, how are you 40 years old? And you've never, you've never learned this. It's, it's, it's wild to me. And no, and like, but like you said, that's not by accident. That's just to keep people, you know, but the powers that be, that's to keep people in this, constant hamster wheel spinning and spinning so you have to you know like like um there's something that andrew tay say to get out the matrix you have to go to self-educate yourself when it's mm -hmm. health money you know uh banking even when it comes to your spirituality they not i mean if you if you come in a household where that's something that's not pushed you're not talking about religion or spirituality mm -hmm. that's something you're gonna have to go down that journey on your own so all those, like the most important things and most aspects for most people are things they have to go down a journey and find out on their own. And that's, that's part of the big reason I think we have so many like lost souls in society today because the environment they're coming in, it isn't an environment that's teaching them all the crucial, important things that we need to learn as a society mm. for real. Yeah, that's major, man. And the thing is to teach something, you have to learn it first. You have to learn it. Yeah. So that's a big problem because people are in situations where, you know, if your parents are, if your parents know nothing about finance and nutrition, then they, they can't pass that on to you. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it's a tricky one, but, but at the same time, it's why I, I massively respect and I love what, I love what you're doing. Right. I'm a, I'm a massive advocate of like, Hey, if everyone can, we've all got different experiences and skill sets and knowledge and whatever. And if, if each person can do their best to use that to help and elevate other people and teach other people, then it's just like a massive circular it is. positive feedback loop. It is. It is. And it, it, it's so important because today there's so much, like, and I don't really like to harp on like all the negative things that goes on because they're great things too. But today it seems like it's just negativity everywhere. It seems like it's been a hundred X on, on, on all levels from mm -hmm. a spiritual level, mentally, emotionally like there's just so much stuff that just drains people so i think there and there needs to be more um positive influences i could say or positive messages i'll say that for people to take on because to make because life it in these times it, it ain't easy the cost yeah. of living is 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 unbelievable you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying if you don't really know how to make money or or stay mentally afloat 
through all these different things that's going around, it's, it's going to be hard for you out here. Yeah, it really is, man. It, it, it's fascinating. I mean, you, you brought up an interesting point there because we, we live in a, I, I say it all the time that we live in a very weird time where, where it's simultaneously the best time ever to be alive. Yes. Pretty much. Right. And where it's the most prosperous, longest life expectancy, most peaceful, least amount of war, right? The probability that, you know, there's going to be a military draft and we all get shipped off to fight and like, you know, if, or health, right. Think of all the diseases and things people used to die from and they have no antibiotics and this and that. So it's weird because we're so privileged and fortunate. And if you're like a millennial or you're a Gen Z or whatever, it's like, man, look at this amazing world you've inherited. But at the same time, it's also very true that in certain aspects, it's harder than it was in some previous recent generations to say, for example, uh, buy real estate or to earn an amount of money that allows you to raise a family or to engage in healthy relationships or to look after your own physical health and your mental well-being and so on. It's there's all these opportunities, but there's also all these new challenges. It's just new like there's, there's just there's just abundance, right? It's if you're looking for the negative, you'll you'll never find more. But also, if you're looking for the positive, you'll you'll never find more. You'll never find more. No, there's you, no, you're absolutely right, bro. There's so much abundance. And then there's so it's, it's crazy. I think with so much abundance and freedom, humans, we start creating problems because the problems that we have today, they're not like you said, they're not natural you know, it's, it's not like world disasters or crazy things that's destroying the world. These are problems that human beings are creating amongst ourselves. So, but I think that's the that's the side effect on when life is so. Um, and I'm not saying life is great worldwide because you know different different countries got their own situations going on. But in, in most developed countries, I'll say life has become fairly um, relatively easy. And I think when that happens, like like the saying they got they got they say well, uh, uh, what to say weak times create weak men i mean no strong oh is what is what is it is uh strong men create good times strong men create create good, good times, times create weak men weak exactly men create bad times bad times create strong men and that cycle i think we're in we're in a time where the times are just so good mm. and it, it's creating a society where it's like have you ever have you ever watched sopranos no i actually haven't oh you've never watched sopranos no I oh haven't. man so the reason I brought that up because in Sopranos and bro, I, I think you should, I think you will love it, bro. It's a great, it's a great series. It's like probably my favorite series ever. But in the beginning of the show, it talks about the the main character Tony Soprano. He talks about how you know he becomes the the, the crime boss, the mob boss of his family. But he's like, I'm becoming a boss at the worst time. It's the end times. Like he's like everybody's. They're pretty much they become they ratting on each other. The morality, the the loyalty that people have amongst the amongst the uh, mafia family is like down. The morale is down. He's like everything is pretty much going to shit. And when I think about that, I'm like it's it it, it reminds me of like society. Like it's plenty of us that we having great times, right? Like we we getting financially stable, we getting becoming financially independent. Our mental is on point. Our physical fitness is on point. But it's like society around us is like we doing this at the time. We're going up at the time when society is becoming less spiritually, you know, uh, and that all those things. So it, it makes me think of that show a lot when I when I'm just sitting around pondering. I'm like, damn, this is kind of like what the hell he was talking about on Sopranos. Like we, it's a it's a select few of us that's doing that's that's climbing up and and with our morals intact, with good character. Mm-hmm. But it's like, damn, we have to we had a period in society where it's like everything around us is like fucking chaotic. <laughs> Dude, it, it 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 is it is frustrating, you know. It is very frustrating. I'm, I'm I, I, I I flip flop between two different mindsets, and this can happen within the course of an hour. Sometimes I'm in the mindset of like the competition is weak. Good. Yep. <laughs> Me too. And then I flip back to like, man, I really want to help people. Like my goal is to like inspire and motivate. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'm I'm doing well. Like I'm happy with my life, but. You see all this despair and all this negativity and all this frustration. And it's like, I'm like, man, I want, I want people to do better. Like I do want people, I want people to be happy and have meaning and have purpose. I want people to be in good health. I want people to be, I want people to be physically fit. Like it's cool. I'm in, I'm in great shape, but I'm like, 
to me, I'm like, man, but I also want other people to be in great shape. I want people to know what it feels like to have to have a fit body and to have energy and to be able to move. Not, you know, you see people just want, you know, wob wobbling around and like they're breathing all heavy and like, like you know, just just going upstairs is like a huge. And I'm like, man, I want I want that person to know what it's like to feel just good. be able to move around and 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 feel good, you know. How, let me ask you this: How do you feel about the 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 current state of of men and manhood? Wow, that's a big question. Um, it's I feel that both manhood and womanhood are under attack. I think that they're under attack, and also we're dealing with just some of the natural consequences of certain things going back many decades and. We're in the generation and in the time where it's all coming ahead. It's, it's all coming. It's all coming to a head, right? So, if you make changes in the 1960s or in the 1970s, and you you massive you radically change certain things in society, you don't know what the effect of that is going to be for a couple generations. So, there's things that are affecting people right now that actually, if you really want to see why it's happening, you have to go back 60 years. But it's the but it's it's now having the effect. Just like you could put in some crazy policy, right? If you if you radically change some fundamental things societally, culturally, politically right now, you might not see the real effect of it until 2060, yeah. 2070, right? That's when you really see, oh, wow, that thing we did back in 2023, that law that they put in, that policy they put in. Like if you want to see like a, some obvious examples of this, the whole everything that comes under the banner of the sexual revolution. Mm-hmm. Right, the that was in the seventies, right? Uh, yeah, sixties, sixties, early seventies, right? The invention of the pill, right? Some of the some of the pushes of feminism. If you look at the welfare welfare policies that essentially reward, is one of the biggest. This is probably the biggest one. Coming back to what we were initially talking about, the ab fatherhood, uh, father absenteeism, the welfare policies that were put in, which essentially incentivized women to not have a man around and to have children out of wedlock and so on. Right. So at the time, my understanding, I wasn't alive in the sixties, but my understanding is that the idea was, Oh, okay. These, you know, we're, we're going to make it easier. We're going to make it easier for women. We're going to like take care. We're going to take care of certain people. We need to, you know, look after people or whatever, but then you create a perverse incentive, which leads to the breakdown of the nuclear family. Oh, here's another huge one. No fault divorce. Mm. Right. So people, so like, look, look, look at how the divorce rate changed once they brought that in. Right. So the USA is now in a period where 40 to 50 percent, 40 to 50 percent. Some people say 40 to 60. Some people say 50 to 60 percent of marriages are ending in divorce. Right. That number used to be like under 10 percent. Under 10 percent. Yeah. It used to be under 10 percent. But then you bring in laws again in the six in the six. I think this was 60s, 70s primarily. And you're just like, OK, you know what? Either party for any reason it doesn't have to be abused it doesn't have to be infidelity it doesn't have to be whatever you can just cancel this thing whenever you want right and my understanding when they brought that in the argument in favor of it was you know there were people who were getting trapped women in particular in you know genuinely abusive relationships or uh you know they're stuck with a an alcoholic husband who's beating them and who's like not taking care of the kids or he's abusing them or whatever and okay we need we need an out for these women we can't make it so 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 difficult for them that they're just sort of trapped in this thing and so you're like okay we're going to change the law but then 20 30 40 50 60 years down the line what's going on with men and women what's going on with marriage what's going on with the family situation what's going right like it's all just messed it's so jacked up now right it's just like whew, like you you see it all right you see it all you're just like geez like what is even what is even happening here this is just a mess so that, that's like a very long answer to to what you're asking so i think that for a lot of young men and young women some of the challenges that they're dealing with are some of them are the same but each gender also has its own unique challenges. And I think for men specifically, one of the hardest ones now is just knowing what their role is supposed to be in the world. I think there's a lot of young men, boys and young men who just don't really know, okay, as a man, what am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do? Right. In the past, it used to be clear. Your, uh, you know, protect, provide, 
preside, right? You're a, you're a, you're a fighter, you're a warrior, you're a breadwinner. You just, you know, you go out there in the world, you collect resources, you gather resources and you, you know, you share that and you spread that. And you know what, if you do that, you'll be able to attract a wife and you get married and you have a bunch of kids and cool, like very simple. Um, you can still very much do that, but now it's like, there's all these additional complications, right? And now that women are earning, in fact, under the age of 30 in many big cities, women actually earn more than men do. Yep. And we all know that actually women generally prefer to, uh, earn less than men. Exactly. Right. So you you just skewed the equation and then you add in technology. Then you throw in Instagram and you throw in Tinder and you throw in OnlyFans and you throw in like uh, HD pornography on all these young boys phones and you throw it. And it's just like, oh, boy, you have just completely like, like think of that shift that that's in, say, say, in a 70 year period, you've just introduced like dozens and dozens and dozens of complications which in the past pretty much did not exist. Did not used exist. Be, used to be really simple. Used to be really just, you know, someone, some, somebody could claim, oh, you know, people didn't have enough freedom and they didn't have enough liberty and people were stuck in this dynamic or whatever. But it's also funnier because according to, you know, polls are always going to be subjective, but both sexes report to be less happy now than, back then. than back then, especially women, right? Women now, something like, Something like one in four women in America is on antidepressants. That's crazy. That's one, wild. In four, I don't one in four. Yeah, one in four. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I wonder what, what when you when having this conversation and stuff, when you saying everything you said, what do you think? Because I'm pretty sure you feel how I feel that this isn't by accident. So what do you think is the like why is the why is all these things happening? That's the easiest way I could put it. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's, um, I don't think it's an either or thing. I think that there are some things which are a natural consequence of things that were done in good faith. Right. Mm, that makes sense. And then I think some of it is also malicious, right? I do think, yes, there is an attack on men. There is an attack on women and there is an attack on the general nuclear family structure. The reason I think that exists is because if you can break that down and communists very much understand this. I don't know how much you've studied communism, but one of their core tenets is to break down the nuclear break down a nuclear family. Because if you can break that down, then the state can step in and you can control and seize power by breaking. You know, yep. uh, I, I love I love the fact that uh, I think it's Vivek Ramaswamy often says that the the nuclear family is the best form of governance. Mm. Right. So if you break down that form of governance, then the state can now step in and they can teach the children. And they can just dictate how everything can go. Also, if you're pulling all of these women into the workplace, then you're increasing, you're driving down wages whilst also increasing the potential tax base. You can also get people to vote for certain policies and so on, because actually people vote differently when they're single versus when they've got a family, right? And when they've got yep. children, people even vote differently. So I think some of it is very, I think some of it is intentional, intentional. And I think some of it, so say, for example, the uh, invention of the birth control pill. I don't think that whoever invented that had like some nefarious, right, evil, malicious. wicked. Yeah, I don't think it was malicious, but I just don't think that they understood what the consequences were going to be 30, 40, 50, 60 years down the line. Here's another thing that's very interesting with that is actually when the birth control pill was introduced, the number of unwanted pregnancies went up. Unwanted pregnancies went up. Yes. So people, people would have assumed people assumed the opposite would have happened. Right. But the, you know, it, it went up because more people started engaging in reckless, promiscuous sex. Because they know they got a backup plan. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. So when they introduced that and then when they massively liberalized the abortion laws, they actually ended up, it, it, it did the opposite of what people imagined it was going to do they're like okay the, okay unwanted pregnancies are a problem we need to minimize that minimize. and then you yeah you do this and then the numbers you know the numbers the numbers ended up going up so i think that that that's my that's my opinion on these things i think some of it is nefarious and malicious and then some of it is just okay well these are just the these are just the consequences you know when they brought in social media in like the mid 2000s right i don't think who I don't think I don't think yeah. that Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey knew. And um, no, they didn't. They didn't know. Man, there's, no no, there's no way you can. There's no way you can. They didn't know 
they didn't know what they were creating. They did. They weren't like, okay, this is going to have, you, you can't predict that. It's just like, mm. look, I'm just making a fun app that people can communicate with each other. They can share their thoughts. They can post photos. They can do this. They're not thinking, okay, this is going to have a fundamental change on everything from elections to like human mating patterns to right. the way people like, like to, to, to neurologically like, people's people's yeah. brain is changed. The way they see things, the world has changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that's, so yeah, that's, right. there's no way to, there's no way to predict that. No, no, you, you can't, you, you, you really can't. Um, it, it's crazy. I just learned about this one fairly recently, but um, are you, are you familiar with a v, V2 rockets? Mm-mm. V2 rockets. So V2 rockets were like the main um, missiles that were used in like World War II, like the, okay. the missiles that Germany were using to like shoot over, you know, when they were like bombarding, bombarding over the border and so on. Um, so these are just, you know, rockets that very long, long distance rockets that they can target areas and so on. So my understanding, someone can fact check me on this, but I believe that the guy who actually invented those, I think he was a German scientist who invented them. His goal was to send rockets to space. He made the v, he made the V2 rocket to send he, it to the, the, again go, going back to the, think back to that time period, right? People were trying to trying to get out to space, trying to land rockets on the moon. So he made the rock he he was trying to create something good for humanity. And he's gonna land him. Adolf Hitler sees this and he's like, all right, like we can use this to like blow up other countries and stuff. So he takes that technology, and that was not that guy's <laughs> opinion. It's like uh, the guy who invented, um, you know, the Nobel Prize, of course, mm-hmm. Alfred Nobel. I mean, you know yeah. what he invented? No, what's that? Dynamite. He invented dynamite? Yeah, he was the inventor of dynamite. And then, <laughs> and then when people started using dynamite for some, you know, there were good reasons, but also bad reasons. I believe part of the reason he created the Nobel Peace Prize was to disassociate himself from being the inventor of dynamite so that when people would like think of him think of him they would think think of of the peace prize rather than think of him oh he's the guy who invented this yeah who invented this explosive thing so yeah people make stuff and they don't know um they don't always know what's going to happen for better or worse Mm, that's that's very interesting bro and something you said uh a little earlier when you talked about how the things you do now some of the things you do now that can change the direction of how things go 20, 30 years from now. I think even on a micro level for people that's listening or watching, if they could take that piece of advice and apply that to their lives, because understanding where you are in 2023, it didn't happen in 2023. This happened 2020, in 2020, 2010. I know me and my wife, we have a family, a beautiful daughter now. We raising her right. This didn't happen in 2023. We got together in 2015. We've been planning and strategizing and built the foundation and understanding. So this can happen eight years later. So I think that's extremely valuable, bro. That's a lot, like if, if that didn't go over people's heads, like the things that's going on with you now and the things that take place in, in the future, you have to put these things in motion now. So it could be in fruition 10, 20 years from now. You can't wait and be like, oh, I'm going to flip a switch when I, it's, it's, gonna, it's not going to happen like that. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're always planting seeds. You're always. You're always planting, yeah, always planting seeds. And good or bad, for real. Good or bad. <laughs> good or bad. And I I think people people forget that. You know, even with the way people treat one another. Uh, you know, I I see the way some people more online than in the real world, but right. I I see the way some people are just treating each other and talking to each other, and I think it's I don't just think it's bad because they're not being they're not being respectful or they're not being kind or, or whatever it is. I think it's also just a very foolish strategy to burn bridges unnecessarily. I agree. Right? So, so say for example, there might be someone just out there who, I don't know, they just want to troll on Twitter and they just start like attacking you randomly. They just start randomly insulting you. They start randomly insulting. What happens? I end up blocking them. You end up blocking them. And so now they've just burned them. Now, like, like, like they can no longer, they no longer have access to us. Right. So everything that we now say or we do, like there might come a time in the future where actually they could do with our advice or they want to. Yeah. And by the way, I've, I've, I've had this personally. I've had someone who like they just went it. I'm not going to I'm not going to name any names, but like they just went at me for no reason. No, no, no reason on the Internet. Like just I, I'd never even encountered them, whatever. They just started just started tweeting, going. tweeting me and just just hate like just really, really hate it, like really aggressive. Um. And, you know, there was a little bit of, and then, I, you know, I, I blocked him because I was like, well, why, why, why am I dealing with this? And then like three years later, 
I get an email and I'm invited on, you know, oh, so-and-so like wants, wants me on their podcast, same person. And I was like, heck no, <laughs> heck no, like, like, right? And, <laughs> right, just, so even no. just things like that, it's just like, well, why, why burn, why just completely unnecessarily burn the bridge? Like I didn't do anything to you, I didn't say anything bad about you, whatever. But some people just have this venom and they just go around and they like they literally take they, let me let, let me see if I can get blocked by a hundred different people. So great, you're now blocked by a hundred influential people and they know who you are and they're never gonna want to work with you or associate with you or have anything to do with you. Again. And then five years from now, you're gonna be complaining, oh, no one wants to work with me. Why am I not successful? Why am I not getting opportunities? And it's like, well, maybe don't be a jackass to every person that you encounter in the real world. People do this in real life too. They walk around all day and they're just so hostile towards people. Yep. And if you do that, it's like, well, no one's going to like you. No one's going to want to be your friend. No one's going to want to work with you. No one's going to want to partner with you. Like, so what, I, I just don't get why people do that. It's strange. Yeah, I, th I think a lot of people have their own, their own traumas and things they're dealing with based in childhood or whatever that they need to you know suit out and also people just a lot of people just don't have long-term vision to even think that far ahead to say like hmm one day me and zuby we could do some dope things together one day yeah. <laughs> I, I might need to connect with zuby you know what i'm saying it could be anything yeah. so a lot of times it comes down to people just don't have that long-term vision they just living in a mm -hmm. moment so they, they just really doing whatever saying whatever in the moment without realizing like damn 12 months from now that might have been a good connection for me. Yeah. But I ruined it. it. Dude, it's, it's weird. Like, I've seen people, for example, on a Twitter, or it's now called X, right? And they like aggravate, like, it's pretty hard to get blocked by Elon Musk. But I've seen like people who, you know, they attack, 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 and he eventually blocks them. Really? And then they like, yeah. And then they'll like screenshot it and be like, haha, I got blocked by Elon Musk. And I'm like, you're a freaking idiot. You're an idiot. You see what I mean? Like, I'm like, I, I got Elon Musk on my podcast. That so was, like I'm I'm building I'm building connections with these people. You're you're trying to get blocked by them, and I'm like, <laughs> hey, I gotta I'm, like, how, I'm like, how can I network with this person? How can I connect with this person? And yo, the best that way was, to do it isn't just like insulting them. Having Elon on that's huge, bro. So I, first, congrats. Second okay. is, how did that even happen? Yeah. So um, so about this time last year, he started responding to a lot of my tweets. Um. So I just know, so I, I, he wasn't following me at the time, but he was obviously like, my stuff was popping up on his feed and he'd sometimes react, you know, sometimes it would just be like a smiley emoji or like a laughing emoji or something, whatever. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Right? Like I'm on his radar. Yep. And then in Feb, and then in February this year, uh, actually one of my friends messaged me and was like, dude, how long has Elon been following you? And I was like, wait, what? And then I went on his thing and, you know, he was following like 350 people or whatever. And, you know, it had the fault, you know, follows you. And I was like, oh, wow. And then I went on my DMs and he'd actually messaged me. He messaged me um, asking if I had any feedback about feedback about Twitter and just saying like, it was just like, hey, Elon here, um, send me any anything that you see wrong with Twitter or any like uh, potential updates or things that you think could be better. Like, just let me know. So we just started DMing back and forth like every day. And then um, I just I was just like, yeah, I've got a podcast. It's called Real Talk with Zuby. I'd love to have you on sometime. And he was just like, sure. <laughs> one word answer just sure and i was like okay great uh next time i'm coming to the u.s i'll reach out like i know you're a busy guy i'm happy to come to you wherever you are um and so in may i was going to the u.s i went to the u.s in may and i messaged him again and we were just we were chatting back and forth and i managed to eventually get uh get an initial date for the recording um it turned out that we had to end up pushing it back one week because he had to travel abroad and something. So we, uh, yeah, so we ended up recording it in early June. I, I flew out to San Francisco and, um, yeah, just, uh, got invited to Twitter headquarters. We, we coordinated it all and we, we made that podcast happen, but, um, it was just very organic, man. It was just, you know, tw Twitter DMS and then just asking right like I like because you know what I mean I was like wait he, he could say no but like because he's, he he's already follow, he's already following me right there's a good chance I know he does do podcasts because I know other people's podcasts that he's been on so yeah I just asked him and and he was down and it was um it, it was cool man I, I I'm the amount of people I've been able to sort of connect with over the last four years and 
record with and you know become friends with just be connected to is phenomenal and that's phenomenal it's um again it, it comes back to the to the mindset thing and just being honestly just being kind and respectful towards people goes so mm. far it's it's so underrated man it's so underrated there's so many people who think like you've got to you, you know you, you have to be this like evil cutthroat villainous person to sort of become successful or to become and i'm just like it's the it's the opposite at this point i mean i think i can say i know four billionaires at this point and they're all so humble so chill so friendly so polite so like you wouldn't even you you wouldn't know like if you did if you didn't already know like who they, know were who they were and what they you just be like this is just a normal this guy's just a normal a normal guy um so yeah this idea that you know rich people are super villains or like you've you've got to be uh cruel and st stomp on people's heads to climb up the ladder it's just it's not true like there are there people who have done that yes but i think that's much more the exception than than the rule because if you, if you mistreat people then um like again they, they don't want to work with you they don't want to talk to you they don't want they don't want to be friends with you if you're if you're not kind to them is is that the most important takeaway you took from him um wow I don't I I don't know. I mean, I think something I definitely did take away was just and and, and to be honest, I've felt this many times. I felt the same when I met Joe Rogan or when I met uh, you know, Ben Shapiro or Tucker Carlson or like I I've met, I've met a lot of very successful and you know, pretty famous people now, even in the music world, you know, like my favorite rapper is uh Jay-Z and Tech 9. I haven't met Jay, but uh, you know, I met Tech 9. I met him a couple times. I've even opened up for him. It's just humble man humble kind friendly right Th these are people who if someone is going to be arrogant these are people who would have like almost like a right. a right to be arrogant you know what i mean like you're worth hundreds of millions or billions or like elon musk would have a right to be arrogant the guy's literally the richest man in like the world 300 billion dollars you're the owner of tesla spacex x x um the boring company uh, neural like CEO of five, six companies, like you've, he's not, he's still in his fifties. Like he's still pretty young, you know, and you've already done all this stuff and everyone knows it. like you could get away with being like pretty mean and and to see someone who's like at that level and it's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sit and chat with you for two hours on your podcast. You know what I mean? Like, like he doesn't have, I don't know how much, I don't know how much two hours, two hours of Elon's time is worth. But it's probably a hundred, couple hundred million. Dollars. <laughs> you, see, you see what I mean? But I, but it was just like it's just humble. It's just like chill. It wasn't was just very friendly. Um, there was no like pretend. It wasn't pretension. And, and it's funny because again, you know, you'll meet people who, you know, they're not successful in any regard, but they're so arrogant. They're so like cocky. They're right. so prideful. They're so whatever. I'm like, dude, like you haven't even done anything. Like you're not even impressive, right? If Elon, if if you can achieve all these things, this guy has done, and still be humble, down to earth calm friendly kind polite whatever then i'm just like man there's no excuse for that type of behavior there's no excuse for people to be acting all crazy and high and mighty and better than other people when the people who actually have achieved stupid levels of success are still you know able to be be humble and just you know talk to people just talk to people like human beings and treat people like human beings and not think that they're gods or whatever Mm, that's that's a man that's 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 so important because i'm always interested with communication with other people especially like highly successful people like that i'm always interested when i'm when i'm around them or i know somebody that is around them i'm always interested like how did it go like what did it feel like because i know there is the idea that people have people create like this this uh this thought process that oh they're probably this way or he's probably a dick or an asshole or a piece of shit something is always people have that idea so to to see i know for people to probably hear that i don't know if you shared that before about that story to hear that that's probably gonna surprise a lot of people because like you said when you're the richest man in the world you can easily be like fuck off to everybody and people will still kiss your ass for the most part so that's very that's very interesting, man. And I think that's something that everybody can take note of and apply to their lives. Because like you said, if somebody at that level could still be humble down to earth, you have no reason to not be. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. That, 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 maybe that is the biggest takeaway I got from it. I, I think I've had that lesson from other people as well. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I've met Joe Rogan several times. You know, we've, he seems we've, like a down earth guy. We, he is. He, he, he like, is. He's he's the most like. Again, if you didn't know, if you didn't know, oh wow, this guy's got like the biggest podcast in the world, and he's done this, and he's achieved this, and he's worth this much money or whatever. It's just normal. Yeah, you know I mean, just normal, just friendly. No, no weird. You know, just no no weird stuff. No like weird like oh I'm I'm up here and you're down there, right? Like I'm a king and you're all peasants. All that all that kind of stuff. Um, outside outside of recording with Elon, did did you get to do anything else with him or be around him? Not not this time around. Not okay. this time around. Um, because we we didn't do the podcast till nine p.m. We oh, started wow. it. We started it at nine and finished at eleven. And he'd already had like a super long day. He had meetings in Texas. Then he flew to San Francisco. Had more meetings in San Francisco. Finished at nine and then jumped into the podcast with me. So I was like, man, let me let me not let me not take any more of this man's time. So like once it, once it was getting to around eleven o'clock, I uh, I was like, you know what? Let's let's wrap up this interview. Um, yeah, but um, you know we're we're in touch. He, he responded to one of my tweets like about an hour ago before, before, before we jumped on this podcast. So, uh, yeah, you know, Lord, Lord willing, we'll have more communication. We'll have oh, more yeah. communication in the future. He, regardless, man, that, that's a good person to have on. Uh, it is. That's a good person to have on side. No. And, and the, the key thing, like you just said, the communication, you sure that's something y'all will keep building. Cause one thing that people, I feel like a lot of people don't realize is they want stuff to happen overnight when it comes to relationships. But as we know, relationships especially a good relationship it takes like years to build you know what i'm saying especially with people that have a lot going on that's experienced a lot because that tr that trust factor is always probably going to be you going to be a little skeptical of people already because you've already experienced so many things then if you're successful you're so busy so you don't have the time as much so a relationship like that with somebody like elon that's going to pay you that's on both sides you guys both will be beneficial to each other which is why he asking you questions about x and then our relationship over the years, this that's going to blossom to something that's that's extremely beautiful. That's that's just how relationships go. Yeah, man, most definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Xavier, for any any young person who is who is listening to this listening to this podcast, of course, I'm going to direct them to the Millionaire Mindsets podcast. But for anyone who's just there who feels like a little bit sort of stuck or they don't know, I don't know, they don't know what to do. I think there's a lot of people who are just like, man, I don't know, I don't know what the next thing I should do is. In terms of building their building their success, building their wealth, building their network, whatever it is, is there a particular tip that you think they need to hear? Yes, the for the first thing is you got to work on your mindset because more than likely, if you if you feel stuck, if you feel like you don't have any money, no success, there's a high probability is something's off with your mentality, the way you think, the way you see things. So in, you have to fix your mindset. In order to do that, you have to educate yourself. You have to educate, you have to self-develop, you have to do all the things that you say you're going to do. Because the thing about mindset and confidence is it comes from you constantly doing the things that you say you were going to, you were going to do. And it could be small things. I say, I'm going to read this book. If I don't read the book, I say, I'm going to read naturally my confidence in myself. It's going to drop a little because deep down subconsciously, you know, a little like, man, I'm kind of full of shit. I don't really do the things I say I'm going to do. So even on the, the first step, I would say is. Everything you say you're going to do, make sure you do it. I don't care what it is. If it comes to making a bed, drinking a whole cup of water, anything, every say, everything you say you're going to do, do it. The next step is work on your mindset, develop your brain. And that comes down to reading, consuming information, learning new things that you haven't learned. And the third thing, because all, the, all these things to me, they go hand in hand, is the physical fitness. Like physical fitness and mental fitness, I know for me personally, they go hand in hand. It's hard to feel mentally sharp if you're not on the i'm not saying you need to be the peak of your physical fitness but you need to have some kind of routine about your body and your in your mental to feel well so for somebody that's watching or listening and they want something they feel they feel stuck first like i said you need to do everything you said you're going to do from a small level and second is just educate yourself educate yourself and you might have to isolate yourself i know all the times that i took leaps professionally financially it but Prior to that, it was a period of isolation. And it wasn't like a forget everybody else. I'm not going to talk to y'all. It was just I'm in my own bubble because I'm trying to grow. I'm about, When I come out of this bubble, I'm committing myself to be a new person, a new, a better person. And that's something that I feel like anybody could do because at the end of the day, these things that I just mentioned, it doesn't cost any money. You know, everybody got a library in your local area. You could go read books and everybody could do whatever it is they say they're going to do. And those are two 
small steps. And when you decide you're not going to make any excuses to get those things done, I guarantee you'll start seeing your life turn around. It won't happen overnight. It'll be a slow process because things don't happen. They don't happen fast. I know, like I said, I changed my life around pretty much. It took me like seven months to a year. It felt fast, but all the things that happened before, everything I went through, it was a process. So don't expect this overnight to be overnight. Continuously, continuously do the work. Be dedicated. Don't give up. You're going to have days where it's going to suck. It's going to be shitty. You're going to say, what am I doing all this for? And you're going to have great days where you might feel like, oh, I'm the king of the world. So don't never get too high when things are going good. And don't never get too low when things are going bad. Just stay steady. You know what I'm saying? Life is a, it's ups, about ups and downs. It's going to be a roller coaster. So as long as you have that mindset, you'll be fine. You, you'll be good. Mm -hmm. I love that, man. Dude, I'm excited to see everything you're going to create and build in the future. You're a very you, inspiring bro. young man. Real talk. And Thank uh, thanks for coming on the Real Talk with Zuby show, man. I appreciate it. Of course, it. bro. You already know. Anytime, man. I'm glad. I'm glad to see. I'm glad to see you. Glad to talk to you, man. And uh, I, every time I t every time I think of you or talk to you, I'm like, man, it's so dope. Me and you got the same fucking birthday, man. I'm like, what's the odds of that? Hey. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. Shout out to my to my Leo brother, man. So I, like you said, I, I appreciate the opportunity to allow me on your show, allow me on your platform to to uh, get to meet your listeners. So I, I'm I'm super appreciative, bro. Nice, bro. Take care. With the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand. Stunt me, destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam. Put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang. Y'all gon' remember the name. Y'all gon' remember the name. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.